You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Ukraine warns that Russia's Gomeradon Group is running a phishing campaign ahead of Ukraine's Independence Day. CISA and the FBI publish details on a North Korean remote-access Trojan. Google patches a serious Gmail flaw. Marriott faces another lawsuit over its 2018 data breach. The WannaRen ransomware operators have released a decryption key. Rob Lee from Dragos with lessons learned from recent virtual conferences. Our guest is Rachel Toback from Social Proof with her insights on social engineering and the Twitter hack. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, August 20th, 2020. Ukraine's National Cyber Coordination Center warns that the Gamaradon Group, also known as Primitive Bear, a Russian threat group run by the GRU and presenting itself as a Ukrainian separatist organization, is newly active with phishing. The attackers are using malicious attachments that pose as official government documents, often spoofing the security service of Ukraine. The effort appears to be battle space preparations for a campaign against Ukrainian infrastructure believed to be timed for Monday, August 24th, which is Ukraine's Independence Day. The center's press service stated, Specialists of the NCCC within the National Security and Defense Council of Ukraine have identified a trend towards the modernization of cyber-attack software in order to increase the effectiveness of overcoming protection means and concealment of their activities in compromised systems. The analysis of malicious programs revealed signs of preparation for a large coordinated attack on government agencies and critical infrastructure, aimed at destabilizing the situation in Ukraine before the Independence Day and during preparations for the next local elections. End quote. Ukraine's SBU security service also says that accounts of its involvement with Russian Wagner Group paramilitaries allegedly active in Belarus are Russian disinformation. Ukraine's SZR Foreign Intelligence Service yesterday said the Wagner Group is operating in Belarus under Russian control. The U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency and the FBI have issued a joint malware analysis report describing a North Korean remote-access Trojan blinding can, 
which Hidden Cobra is deploying in an attempt to establish persistence in networks of interest to Pyongyang. The report says a threat group with a nexus to North Korea targeted government contractors earlier this year to gather intelligence surrounding key military and energy technologies. The campaign represents another use of bogus job offers targeting workers in the defense sector to induce them into installing malware via malicious Word documents. In the example provided in the report, the attackers used documents that purported to come from Boeing's HR department. Google yesterday patched a security flaw that could have enabled attackers to spoof emails from any Gmail or G Suite user while bypassing DMARC and SPF policies, ZDNet reports. The vulnerability was reported by security researcher Allison Hussein in April, and Google fast-tracked its patching process after Hussein published details of the flaw yesterday. The bug could be exploited via the G Suite administrator console by setting up custom mail routing rules and configuring an inbound gateway. Hussein explained in a blog post, quote, By chaining together both the broken recipient validation in G Suite's mail validation rules and an inbound gateway, I was able to cause Google's backend to resend mail for any domain which was clearly spoofed when it was received. This is advantageous for an attacker if the victim they intend to impersonate also uses Gmail or G Suite because it means the message sent by Google's backend will pass both SPF and DMARC as their domain will, by nature of using G Suite, be configured to allow Google's backend to send mail from their domain. Additionally, since the message is originating from Google's backend, it is also likely that the message will have a lower spam score and so should be filtered less often. End quote. Google fixed the issue within seven hours of the details being published, and Hussein praised them for their quick response. Marriott International is facing a class action lawsuit in the High Court of England and Wales over the hotel group's massive data breach that came to light in 2018. According to Reuters, the lawsuit seeks unspecified damages and represents anyone living in England or Wales whose data was stolen in the breach. Based on the number of potential claimants, Verdict estimates that Marriott could be forced to pay tens of millions of dollars in compensation if it loses the suit. The operators of the WannaRen ransomware, which was responsible for a widespread indiscriminate wave of ransomware attacks in China this past April, have given a master decryption key to a Chinese cybersecurity firm, ZDNet reports. ZDNet speculates that the attackers, thought to be a small-time criminal group, realized they were in over their heads and provided the keys to avoid excessive attention from Chinese authorities. A report from Clarity notes that more than 70% of industrial control system vulnerabilities disclosed in the first half of 2020 are remotely exploitable via a network attack. Computer Business Review notes that the energy, critical manufacturing, and water sectors were the most affected by the vulnerabilities, although this could be due to those sectors receiving increased attention from security researchers. And finally, Palantir has quietly decamped from its Palo Alto headquarters, forsaking Silicon Valley for real estate more to its liking in Denver, as both the Denver and Silicon Valley business journals report. CNBC notes CEO Karp's view that Silicon Valley's increasing intolerance and monoculture and high cost of living have made it a less desirable place from which to do business.
Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. And now, a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks, and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. Rachel Toback is well-known in security circles for her expertise in social engineering, bolstered by her multiple wins in the DEF CON social engineering Capture the Flag competitions. She's CEO and co-founder at Social Proof Security, and I recently interviewed her for our Hacking Humans podcast to get her insights on the recent hack of Twitter. Here's a segment of that interview. It came to my attention maybe an hour into the attack. I checked out my Twitter and I saw former President Barack Obama had tweeted out a link to a Bitcoin opportunity, is the way <laughs> that he positioned it, where he said that you would he would double your money. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, that's unlikely. I don't think that that's, <laughs> I don't think former President Barack Obama is going to double my money. And then I saw that Elon Musk had tweeted it out too. And I was like, okay, um, that's really strange. So using Occam's razor, I, I deduced a couple of predictions. And where did you begin? I mean, what were your first uh, suppositions of what might be going on? Well, I started from my position. So I started thinking, what would I have done as an attacker? And what I would have done as an attacker is I probably would have just tried to gain access to their accounts by leveraging some sort of like internal access panel, an admin panel or God mode, we sometimes call it at a company. And a lot of times I do that when I'm hacking just by calling customer support. So I might call customer support, gain access to their credentials, and just log in and then change the things that I want to change on the back end myself. So that was a prediction that I made. And folks were like, eh, I don't know. I think it was probably an <laughs> API thing. And I was like, mm, maybe? But I don't know. The simplest explanation is sometimes the easiest, and it's just what the attacker does. 
I think it's a really important point that you bring up here, and you've said it a couple times, and that's the willingness to say, I don't know. And I think that's something that, particularly online, that impulse is not often rewarded. <laughs> yeah. I think we saw a lot of people try and say like, oh, I think I know what happened, or we, we know what happened, and they really don't. Even now, we only can go off of what Twitter admits happened, and even that might not be correct. And so we have to say that Twitter claims this happened. It's just like that type of language is really important to be clear on. A lot of times we just don't know the answer. We can make hypotheses, we have reporting, but we are only reading those claims. We don't know for sure. I wonder sometimes if we've got a little bit of that that boy crying wolf situation here in InfoSec in general where, you know, we see it play out so many times. A breach occurs and the PR folks from whatever company got breached say, we're convinced that this was a sophisticated actor who, you know, there was nothing that could be done due to the sophistication <laughs> of this actor. Yeah, we hear that a lot. That's, a, that's like a knee-jerk first reaction is, the, the word sophisticated is used in almost every press release. A sophisticated mm -hmm. actor. I think we saw that in the case of the Twitter announcement as well. A coordinated, sophisticated social engineering attack. And while right. it was coordinated, they did likely coordinate on Discord from what we're seeing. It doesn't necessarily mean it's sophisticated. Social engineering somebody and calling to gain access to credentials while pretexting or pretending to be IT support I wouldn't call that sophisticated. The things that I do are interesting, but I wouldn't say they're so hard that the average person couldn't do them. We do know that it's possible to defend against this stuff too. We need to have least privilege. That means limited admin access. We need to have software to detect aberrant behavior. You know, if you're changing 15 plus emails on an admin panel in two minutes when you're really supposed to be doing that maybe once a day, then that's probably going to raise some red flags and it probably should have sooner. We need to audit who has access. We need, you know, four eyes or two-person sign-off. We have to treat people well and fairly. So while a lot of times we say it's a sophisticated actor and there's nothing that could have been done, many times it's less sophisticated than we think and there's probably something that could have been done. That's Rachel Toback from Social Proof Security. Be sure to check out our complete interview on the Hacking Humans podcast. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Robert M. Lee. He is the CEO at Dragos. Uh, Rob, it's always great to have you back. Um, uh, your team at Dragos recently teamed up with the folks over at SANS, and uh, you had a virtual conference, and you had a blog post about this. So you said you had seven uh, most meaningful lessons learned during that conference. Can you take us through what are the some of the takeaways that you all left with? Yeah, absolutely. So every year we put on the, the DISC, which is the Dragos Industrial Security Conference at our headquarters in Maryland, 
it's a free conference for the ICS security community, the, the asset owners and operators to come in and get to see the latest in research and really just have a conference for them, not sort of the trade show like feel that, that can sometimes happen. And especially with COVID and all the things going on, uh, I went to the team at SANS. We, we've obviously I'm a SANS instructor and have worked there and have good relationships over the, over the years. But I said, look, why don't we actually just partner on, on some things and some various initiatives and let's kick off that partnership with uh, a conference. And so we hosted the SANS ICS desk, right? So it's like SANS and the Dragos Industrial Security Conference. Um, but we did it virtually and we did it uh, mid-summer, right? Or so I got what? No, that was April. Um, so that we could um, have it available for folks. So we, we, when we kicked it off, we're like, oh, maybe we'll have like two or 300 people to show up. Um, we had close to 10,000 and it was, wow. uh, it was pretty wild. Uh, we had like four or 5,000 that were consistently on throughout the whole day, no matter like at any given point you could dial in and see that. And that's crazy in terms of response. My number one takeaway was just the amount of interest and passion people have for ICS security. And so we saw tons of people from outside the ICS security community coming in to take part in these presentations and understand what was going on. So it was a bunch of SANS people and a bunch of Dracos people that gave these presentations. The other one, though, is we, we pulled together and hosted a CTF. And for the CTF, it's really hard to get access to industrial control equipment. A lot of it's sensitive, more of it's super expensive. So most people in the community usually have like a virtual machine or two, maybe they have a couple of protocols they play around with. Getting access to a, a data off a of full range is hard. There, there's, there's only two or three places that have historically done that in our community. Um, and it's been very limited data sets anyways. And uh, we put it out to the community and part of the CTF. So NetWars is the engine that SANS uses. It caps out at 1,000 people. We've not ever had that problem. Uh, we did here. And we actually <laughs> capped it out at 1,000 people, I think, within like the first three days of registrations being open. And everybody actually showed up. I think like 890 of them were active during wow. the actual CTF window. It was a, uh, I think it was a six-hour CTF. I was going to say, did, did did you effectively have to worry about the system being DDoSed with that? We many? were very concerned, uh, <laughs> and uh, also just over a spe- essentially like a six or seven hour period. I mean, that's we we put so much data together. It was by and I, and I mean this with no exaggeration. It was by far the largest ICS data set available to the community to date, and teams tore through it and. There was a couple of people and teams that finished, and it was like right down to the wire. Most hmm. didn't finish, which is what was expected, but they scored a ton of points and learned new things. So the feedback was just exceptional. People were in love with it. And that's the thing that, again, like the bigger lesson learned, the bigger thing that I've been advocating for years anyways is ICS security is cool. And given the opportunity, people will get involved. Did your team come away with anything that they learned seeing seeing the system get hammered in that kind of way with creative people from all over the world? Were, were there any surprises? Yeah, so I mean, we we focused it on the defense first of all. So we didn't we didn't see them like hammering it that way. Like we did the attacks, and then they were doing the CTF in terms of like forensics and defense. Um, I, I didn't I didn't want to give an environment to be like, hey, some country's APT. Do you want to come train on a? You know, <laughs> no, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to go down that route. Right. Um, so right, instead, right. it was like, here's packet capture, memory images, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think what the big takeaway was was, and I've seen this anecdotally through teaching at Sands, anyways, in my ICS class. But it's it's good to get a non like you know selection bias kind of view into this where most of the people felt 
hey, a lot of my IT security skill sets do translate well into ICS security, but many of them don't, and there are unique skills, and hey, this is actually this interesting, unique thing. And, and you'll hear me talk a lot about how ICS security is different and different mission and different you know, threats, and, and you talk about that. But to get a reminder from a wide selection of highly skilled people of, no, yeah, we, we see the same thing. This is actually different, and it's cool, and it's unique, and it's fun. That, that's good feedback into the process. Hmm. All right. Well, congratulations on the event. Uh, it sounds like uh, it's a It's a available for people still, for by the way. Like if, if people can... go to the SAN site, that data, if they missed out, um, all of the presentations are online, both on the Drago site and on the SAN site. All the slides, all the recordings, and that data set is also available for folks that once they register for the event over at SANS, they get that data set. Now, it's not, not the CTF engine isn't active to go and score points, but, a, but all of the answers and the data set is there. And our hope is it's just this continuing education tool for a lot of people to get interested in ICS. All right. Well, Robert M. Lee, thanks for joining us. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.